0: Hello and welcome to The Accidental Curator, um, my name is George Bathgate, I'm working today on episode 12 uh, and I'm coming to you from Kitsilino once more um, and today is August the 16th, 2022 um, in Kitsilino, Vancouver. It's a it's a beautiful day, it's about 22, 23 degrees and a lovely sunny day. And yeah, it's been a couple of months since I've put together a, uh, a podcast, and I am running my cafe gallery pretty full-time right now because it's summer, so that impedes a lot of my activities uh, such as podcasts, creative work, any of the other stuff I might be doing. And uh, But that's okay because I quite enjoy working in the gallery cafe on Main Island. It's really quite fun. I have a lot of friends over there. It seems that everyone who comes over is kind of happy because they're either pleased that they're living on Main Island or they're on holidays. So they're generally uh, in a fairly buoyant mood. That's uh, all of the people that come into my place. And uh, yeah, so I have fun over there. It's uh, usually a weekend activity. I go over Thursdays, open up Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and come back to Vancouver on Monday so I can be with my partner, Kathy. Yeah, this is the preamble before I get into reading uh, today's uh, episode, and as I've probably mentioned previously, uh, most of the stories I'm reading right now have been written in the last, say, three or four years. Uh, Today's story was written on April, April 17th, 2019, and They're short stories that I've largely uh, put into my blog on my website, which is called clayandbone.com. And clayandbone.com is sort of the creative effort of what I'm doing these days, whether I'm making masks or I'm painting or I'm writing. And most of my effort has gone into writing, I would say in the last three or four years. Although I did just create a new mask um, earlier this year, and I wrote that up also in clay and bone, uh, a new mask called Full Buck Moon. And that one sold, and um, it has also been commissioned. A woman came in recently and wanted to order the mask, so I'm going to be making that for her once things slowed down at Shavasana Gallery Cafe, which is uh, what the Accidental Curator has been largely named after. And uh, a couple of things that have happened since I last um, since I last recorded. Um, part of the premise of the Accidental Curator is that you know it's it's known as the the the, the subtext is the uh, gallery cafe and island uh, recovery and creativity. So I just passed ten years of sobriety in April, and I'm quite pleased about that and it's largely my sobriety i think which is enabling me to do all of these things albeit in a very piecemeal fashion um so all that being said uh welcome back to the accidental curator i don't know how many of you are out there i don't really follow my own statistics but uh i don't think it's a huge community of you but it's just delightful to know that there are some of you listening to what i'm doing here because i don't get paid for any of this anyway and you don't get paid to listen so it's strictly a voluntary uh, win-win situation if we're both having fun uh with all that being said and with further ado uh, without further ado i'm going to get into the episode 12 which is called the armed robbery and just a little note uh the armed robbery i wrote this as i mentioned earlier in april april 17th 2019 over a couple of day period probably and I'm going to read it to you exactly as I wrote it, because um, it's a little bit about the story and it's a little little bit about the process of the writing itself, which seemed to be the nature of a lot of the writing I was doing at that time. And even to this date, I'll usually have some kind of a preamble about what's happening in my life or where I'm at or what's going on. So all that being said, here is the armed robbery. These days, I feel like writing and seem to enjoy it when I do so. As the larger writing projects have thus far eluded me, I've been warming up with some short stories, primarily personal anecdotes from the now distant past or journal-like entries from recent experience. Recent experience could include a story called my life in coffee shops, as this truly has become my preferred location for all of my writing activity, and is where I am now, comfortably ensconced at a table surrounded by the buzz of a little grocery store, coffee shop hybrid called Be Fresh in Kitsilano, a store not unlike the herb and spice shop on Bank Street in Ottawa, where I apprehended an armed robber in the early 1980s. I don't recall exactly where I was headed, but it was a Friday night, I was in my mid-twenties, and I was walking north on Bank Street in Ottawa, without a care in the world. I was, in all likelihood, going to a friend's to go to a pub to try to meet girls. The Herb and Spice Shop was our neighborhood grocery store. This was the owner's second location, after his flagship store in the Glebe proved profitable. It was nearby, and it was friendly, and I'd developed a first-named relationship with the staff. On this night, the sweet and bright Debbie T. was running the store and getting ready to close up to follow her own youthful Friday night pursuits. As I approached the urban spice, engrossed in my own plans for the evening, Debbie burst out the front door onto the sidewalk, scuffling with a rough-looking unshaven man in his mid-to-late thirties, In the midst of their frantic dance, he pushed her to the sidewalk and ran north on bank, clutching a handful of money. Stop that guy. He's stolen our money, she shouted. I think a heroic act must involve some thought of the possible consequences of one's actions. A conscious decision to act, despite foreknowledge that a threatening situation may contain risk of harm to self. That is heroic and admirable. Often, though, in the face of danger, when our reptilian brain is offering only limited choice. Door number number one, labeled fight, or door number, number two, labeled flight. We do not always have the metered luxury of thought. When friends or loved ones are in peril, the rush of adrenaline shakes Mr. Lizard awake, and the stark choice, are you going to run away or are you going to step in? Feeling lucky, punk? A small group of maybe two or three individuals who were slightly closer to the mayhem than I gave chase. Ah, uh, those three should be able to get that guy, I thought, as my lizard slowly slunk back into its reptilian lair. But this is exciting, and I like Debbie, and perhaps I can help. Safety in numbers. Maybe I'll get free groceries. And it's on my way, I thought. All in a nanosecond, so I joined the pack in hot pursuit of our prey the Doer Not far from the herb and spice store on the next corner was a bar, which I did not frequent. I was a Royal Oak kind of guy with its lovely faux British pub feel and Kilkenny on tap. So I had little reason to go to this watering hole, which catered to the career alcoholics and the country music crowd. I and my friends were, of course, too cool for that with our new wave hair and obsessions. I don't know what possessed the stick-up guy to enter this bar as a means to escape his pursuers, but he did so by way of the side door, slipping into the dingy, smoky, and noisy pub interior with a frantic bid for freedom. The three closest pursuers, who were hot on his trail, followed him doggedly into the bar, and I arrived moments later, slightly out of breath, as the pub door closed. Hmm, those guys are bound to catch him inside the pub, I reasoned, and therefore don't need me to add to the pandemonium. i just get in the way. He's probably already caught. I might unwittingly discover that I like country music. Hmm. I have an idea, I thought. I'll go stand by the front door in case they don't catch him, which is highly unlikely, and stop him there if he emerges. Also highly unlikely. I strategically repositioned myself to the front door of the pub and waited. I didn't have to wait long and it wasn't long enough for to form any kind of coherent plan. The three pursuers had failed in their simple mission, catch the bad guy. And suddenly, here he was, bursting out of the pub, wild-eyed and breathless and clutching a handful of money. Mr. Lizard was abruptly and rudely awoken from his complacent slumber. Fight or flight, Georgie, what's it going to be? Come on, you've got uh, less than a second to decide. I pulled my right arm back, made an unaccustomed fist, and punched the hold-up man squarely in the face. Up to this point in life, I'd never really had that all-too-common male experience of beating someone up. I was a skinny, bespectacled, new-wavish kind of guy, and this was the first time I'd struck anybody with force and intent in the face. My fleeting thought, for it wasn't a plan, was that the criminal should somehow easily and readily succumb to my punches, and crumble to the ground, unconscious. I just wanted to knock him out. Not so quickly, my effete friend, spoke Mr. Reality. The gentleman you've just assaulted has been in worse scuffles and received far more damaging blows from a life of petty crime and stints in the penal system. Your pitiful attempt at punching is likely just going to remind him of the injustices he suffered at the hands of a cruel father and will only serve to enrage him. Stunned momentarily, Mr. Criminal leapt at me and grabbed my coat with his one free hand. We scuffled upright briefly, but his unwillingness to let go of the cash and my height advantage gave me enough leverage to throw him to the ground, sit on his chest, and punch him again, with greater force of my now seasoned experience, directly in the face, twice. While our scuffle was taking place, several things happened. The original pursuers, exited the bar, and now surrounded us as non-participatory onlookers, quite likely thinking, oh good, the skinny guy has him pinned down. Looks like he's got it covered. What a great puncher. Let's just watch. Debbie appeared out of the now-gathering crowd and grabbed the cash from the perp's hand, freeing him up to fight back more effectively, which he did, "'and a bunch of drunks who had no idea what was actually going on "'spilled out of the bar and surrounded us while we fought. "'Hey,' said one of the Waylon and Willie listening bar patrons "'in his familiar beer-soaked slur. "'Stop your fight and get off that guy!' "'Well, mamas don't let your babies grow up to be cowboys,' emanated from the bar. "'Several sets of nicotine-stained hands reached down, "'grabbed me roughly from behind, and pulled me away from the guy.' pandemonium ensued. As the original pursuers protested fruitlessly, Debbie shouted something inaudibly, and I stammered ineffectively to the alcoholic liberators. There was nary a hint of understanding or sympathy in their roomy eyes. Perhaps the robber was their friend, and the stolen loot was intended to buy rounds at the pub. Recognizing an opportunity, and without missing a beat, our street-smart hoodlum got up, glanced furtively around, and chose, unwisely, run back into the bar through the open front door like bloodhounds back in the chase the original pursuers took off after their prey and ran into the bar in hot pursuit the drunks sensing that something exciting was unfolding and likely feeling thirsty after all their strenuous activity poured themselves back into the bar to order more beer and obstruct justice Debbie had disappeared, likely to return the money and get on with her evening now that her role in this drama was over. And I, once again, in very short order, found myself alone outside the pub as events were unfolding inside. Hmm. They're bound to catch him this time, I thought. No need for me to go in there. It's a done deal. How could they miss him this time? That'd be crazy. But if they do, I thought... I might as well go and stand guard by the back door, as a highly unlikely and unnecessary backup plan. I walked around to the side door and waited again. I didn't have to wait long. I'm not sure if it was fear or surprise that I saw in his eyes when he burst once again out of the pub through the side door, but his internal reptile was definitely giving him the flight command. His brief startled pause and the dismay of recognition made him attempt an evasive action but it was of no use once again lacking any grand strategy or experience in the apprehension of evildoers i pulled my arm back made a fist and punched him square in the face once more i was a one-trick pony who just wanted his opponent to succumb to the simple knockout punch panicky and enraged and definitely not unconscious he reached for my lapels while i put my violent plan B into effect. Perhaps if I just grab his head and repeatedly bash it against the brick wall, he'll crumble and I can sit on him until the police come. They will come, won't they? Plan B on a determined, wily, motivated opponent was not having the desired effect. After four or five vigorous head smashings, he broke free of my grip and ran towards a cab, which had just pulled over to the curb to see what was going on. Get me out of here, he shouted to the bewildered cabbie as he flung open the back door and threw himself into the cab. I'm not sure exactly what script I was following then. It was all so primal, without a whiff of rationality or forethought. I was in the fight and was somehow still protecting my friend Debbie and my neighborhood. Perhaps internal codes of conduct... Good versus evil were playing out and directing my actions in this little street drama. Maybe I was just a young male jacked up on adrenaline and testosterone. I reached into the cab, hauled my victim out, threw him to the ground, sat on his chest, and punched him forcibly in the face. Stop struggling, or I'll keep hitting you, I said. Where are those fucking police? I thought. Fearfully, eyes darting and weighing his options, He finally chose capitulation over struggle. I'm not sure who was most relieved that this ordeal was over. I sat on his chest and waited. Fortunately, someone, maybe the cabbie, had finally contacted the cops. I could hear the sound of sirens approaching. Epilogue The police came, arrested the culprit, and took him away to be charged and sentenced. I wasn't required to make a court appearance, but I know from subsequent newspaper clippings that WST, as he shall be known, received a three year sentence. He was a thirty-three year old guy from Hamilton, of no fixed address, with a history of recent hold ups and break ins, and subsequent jail time. The day prior to robbing the Herb and Spice store he had held up Hillary cleaners on Alta Vista. Although he didn't have a gun, He made the claim that he did while sticking his hand in his pocket and pointing it at the cashier. This is considered armed robbery. And for my efforts, I received thanks and a small bag of produce from the owner. And perhaps a slight elevation of esteem in the eyes of Debbie T. After all, I was her accidental hero. All right, that was The Armed Robbery, which is episode 12 of The Accidental Curator. And once again, I'm George Bathgate. Thanks for joining me for this little story. Um, Yeah, just something out of the uh, early 80s when I was living in Ottawa, Ontario, Um, working for the federal government, of course. Um, Those were great days. I had a lot of fun there. I had a little band called The Simpletones, and I'm still in contact with my good friends from that time. But uh, here we are in Kitsilino, and I'm wrapping up today's show. Um, So yeah, thanks for joining me. If you know of anyone who might be interested in hearing these episodes of The Accidental Curator, uh, please encourage them to join up. Uh, They can do so either through Podbean, which is the host for my show, or they can sign up, I think, through either Google Podcasts or um itunes has a podcast as well so thanks again and um we'll talk to you soon bye-bye